0: To worship and adore the Lord our God. Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by the Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it, or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Log on to WGCRpreaching.net.
1: Is just thinking all the times I failed the Lord, all the times I've let him down, all the times I've disobeyed his word, and yet he still loves me. And I, I have a hard time getting a hold of that, but I'm glad it's true this morning. Amen. It's good to be saved. I enjoyed the singing this morning. I was thinking as they were singing those choir songs about the coming of the Lord, there's a lot of differences between the first and the second advent. First advent's what we're celebrating right now, Christmas season. And the second coming of the Lord is yet to come. But uh, the message of both advents is really the same. Uh, in, in, in In its meaning, the message was this, that he's coming back. Amen. He's coming First message was he's coming, second message he's coming back. But the fact of the matter is we're going to see him one of these days and I am thankful for that, amen. What a day that'll be. I'm excited about the coming of the Lord, amen. Turn to Luke chapter 2 if you would this morning. I appreciate the good spirit of the Lord's in the house. Glad you're here today and praying the Lord will help us today just to see him high and lifted up. That's what coming to church is about. We don't come to church because we have to, we come to church because we get to, and I hope we want to. And I know a lot of times things will be going on in our life that kind of dull that just a little bit, but I, I am so thankful that I do get to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. Meet with God's people, and most of all, meet with the Lord. Get around His Word and hear, hear from heaven. I'm thankful for that. We've been looking in Luke chapter 2 for these past few weeks since the beginning of the month, looking at these uh, thoughts here leading up. Uh, in the Christmas story, and of course, it's mentioned in detail in Luke chapter 2, and uh, some also in the book of Matthew. And today, I want to look at maybe an unusual uh, Christmas time message, but it is in the text and in this context thought here of the birth of Christ. We're going to look at this character today by the name of Anna. And as I studied this for this past week, I thought, you know, I've never heard a message entirely. On Anna, and and you may have. I I hope you have, but I've never heard a message on it. Best of my memory in the past 15 years of preaching, I've never preached a message on it. So we're going to try this morning to follow the Lord. Uh, As I'll be honest with you now, just going to be honest with you this morning, as I I wound up last week's message on Simeon, which has always been a very interesting character uh, concerning the Christmas story... I knew what was next. I knew that the few, the three verses here we're going to look at about Anna was next. So I began to kind of reason in myself, well, I'll probably go somewhere else. The Lord probably want me to go somewhere else uh, for this Sunday. You know, not a whole lot we can say about that. But the more I studied it, the more I started seeing some things, and the more the Lord started speaking to my heart. And the Spirit of God reminded me of something that, This passage of Scripture concerning Anna is not just plugged in here because the Lord didn't have anything else to put in here. It's there for a reason. And when we study our Bible and we see places and even characters and stories maybe that are put in chapters that we don't understand and we look at it in our flesh, a lot of times the flesh will think, well, you know, that really doesn't fit there. You need to remember it does fit there because our Bible is perfect and our God is perfect that put it together. So it's there for a reason. I hope we can be a help to you and a blessing in looking at this character of Anna this morning. If you're able, let's stand together. We'll read these three verses. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin our reading in verse 36. Read down through verse number 38. The Bible said, and there was one Anna... A prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tri- of the tribe of Asher, and he was of or she was of great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day, and she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we do want to thank you again, Lord, for your presence, for the privilege, the opportunity this morning to be gathered here in your house. and. Lord, for what you've done already, we have rejoiced in our soul. Thank you for this Christmas season. It's always a joy at this time of year to think about your birth and also to think about what you did on Calvary for us and and think about your promises that you're going to come back and take us home to be with you forever. And Lord, help us us this morning as we just zero in on this passage of Scripture for a little while. Thank you for this character of Anna that you put in the Scripture to bless our hearts today. Encourage your people, we that are saved, Lord, that we would worship you. And Lord, if there are any among us today or, or maybe they're listening in on the radio or the internet, they're not saved, they've never been born again, I pray through the message this morning you'd convict their heart, they'd see their need of having you as the Savior. And Lord, we'll praise your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier, as you study Luke chapter 2, of course, the birth of Jesus is the theme of this chapter we hear a lot about this first message that we dealt with a few weeks ago about David, or excuse me, about uh, Joseph and Mary coming to Bethlehem, the town of David, and uh, the child Jesus being born there. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that that's where he would be born. We've heard a lot about the shepherds. We preached a message on that a few weeks ago, how that the Lord came directly to the shepherds and proclaimed to them of the birth of Christ there in the manger. And we even hear a lot about Simeon. He's probably one of the major characters, at least he has been in my mind, of studying this particular chapter in the story we'll the, the, the but That's mentioned here in this chapter. Not a very well-known character. Not much is mentioned about Anna. But we're going to see this morning that there was a purpose for Anna being in this situation. God has a purpose for everything he does and everyone that he uses. And I want to look at her life. Just three verses on her is all the word of God lets us in on. But I want to look at her life this morning and bring to you this thought on the allegiance of Anna. The allegiance of Anna. And The Bible begins to describe about her and who she is and some things here concerning here. And as we look at her this morning as a character here on the stage of the birth of Christ, I pray that we can look at her and glean from her life some things that ought to be in our life and and get some help from her allegiance and her devotion to the Lord and to Christ as he came into this world. I want to give you three things this morning about Anna's allegiance that I think are very important here concerning the story of the birth of Christ. And verse number 36, as the Scripture opens up about her, and again, there's not much that is said about her, just three verses in the Word of God concerning her in this chapter. But we find, first of all, the first thing I want to draw your attention to in verse 36 is her position. The Bible let lets us know a little bit about this Anna and her position and where she's at in life and who she is and what's going on with her in this story. Now we notice first of all, the Bible lets us know that she was unique. As you think about the characters of the Bible, there are many characters that we study from time to time. We study about Abraham. We study about David. We study about Cain and Abel, and there's a lot of characters in the Scripture that are just household names. If you mention their names, even like Abraham, if you mention the name of Abraham, it even transfers to even other beliefs, even other religions that are not right. They understand historically who Abraham was or maybe who Noah was. But when you look at Anna, you find a lady here that not much is said about, but yet she was very unique. She's one of those Bible characters that there's not a lot said about. She, she's not like Joseph there in the book of Genesis uh, where there's much wrote about him. She's not like Moses where there's much said about him. But yet she's still unique in her way and very important to the work of God concerning the birth of Christ. And as I think about that this morning, I think about how all of God's people are unique. You know, a lot of times, it's just human nature. We look at people in, in ranks or in classes. We say, well, maybe this one's more important than that one. Or this one over here maybe is more important than that one. And I understand why we think that. Sometimes certain people have greater responsibilities and greater impacts in society because of their position or their responsibility. But I want to remind you this morning that everybody in the work of God is unique. And everybody has a job and everybody has a has a purpose. God didn't save you just because He didn't have anything to do. God didn't save you and put you in the church uh, just because He wanted to make sure that we had a good crowd on Sunday morning. God saved you to put you in the family of God and to place you in the local church uh, so that you could do something for His glory and for His honor. And that goes from the least to the greatest. That goes from the youngest to the eldest. We find Anna here. Is the Bible is going to tell us in a few moments? that she is an elderly lady. Uh, As we begin to look at her, we're going to see uh, the uniqueness of her life. Notice verse number 36, the first thing here. It said, there was one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now right there is where a lot of preachers are going to stop and say I'm not going to deal with Anna because the Bible said she's a prophetess and I don't believe in women preachers. And can I say to you this morning, the Bible teaches that, that there are not to be women preachers. But Anna was not a preacher. And Anna was not in the grace dispensation. This is still the Old Testament that's unfolding here. And you say, well I don't believe that's right. Well you're going to have to argue with you, King James Bible if you don't believe that's right. I'm going to tell you something. It'll help you. It'll help you to take the Bible for what it says at face value rightly dividing the word of truth. There are several women that are mentioned in the Old Testament that were prophets. No, they're not preachers. No, I don't believe it's right for a woman to preach or pastor a church but in the Old Testament economy God saw fit to put his hand on some women and use them as prophetesses in the word of God. I'm reminded of Moses' sister Miriam. She was a, a prophetess. I'm reminded of Deborah in the book of Judges that she was a prophetess. I'm reminded of, of Hulda, if I'm pronouncing that uh, word right there. In the Old Testament, she was a prophetess. And again, you've got to understand the timing here. You've got to understand this is not talking about the New Testament church. It's not talking about how we operate in this day. It was in that day that God used this woman uniquely by the name of Anna. So she was unique. A prophet, or in this case, a prophetess, was a foreteller. Now, a preacher is a foreteller. That's what I try to do every time I get in the pulpit. I try to foretell the Word of God. I don't get a new vision from God. I don't get an extra biblical revelation somewhere. If anybody ever stands up in this age and tells you they've got some extra biblical revelation that God gave them in the midnight hour, run, amen, because they don't have that. What we have is the completion of the Word of God that God's given us in these days to forth and to tell the good news. But Anna was in a different time, and she was unique in her time. And I want to remind you this morning, we're all unique. God has a work for all of us to do. I want to say this this morning. I thank God. I'm going to just run a rabbit here just for a minute. I thank God for the godly women that he has put in the church. Without them, the work wouldn't get done. Without, I, I, Listen, I'm tired of this independent, fundamental, temperamental crowd downgrading ladies and women. That's unscriptural. Uh, that's obnoxious. It's rude. It's wrong, by the way. Amen. We're to respect them. We're to honor them. We're to love them. We're to cherish them according to Ephesians chapter 5 as Christ loved the church. Amen. I just wanted to plug that in right there. Felt like I needed to say that. Amen. It's not godly to be rude. Sir, it's not godly to be rude to your wife. I'm going to tell you what ought to happen. i, I got to get back in Scripture. If you're rude to your wife, she ought to slap your jaws. That's exactly what she ought to do. And if she does, don't come tell me about it because I'm going to take her side. Amen? Alright, we're done with that. Let's move on. Get back. That's why you don't run rabbits. Let's get back into the context this morning. Anna was unique. She was a unique lady that God had put in this position to do something for the glory of God. Now, she was unique. Notice, secondly, this morning, Anna was unified with the people of God. Let's see where she was at. The Bible said she is the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. Now, that is the tribe of Asher. It's spelled different in the Old Testament because it's Hebrew, and the New Testament is translated from the Greek. So this is one of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And it's interesting this morning about her affiliation through this tribe. Asher was considered one of the lost tribes and one of the tribes really that nobody thought much about when it came to the time of the birth of Christ. So could we say this morning Anna was in an insignificant, as far as the world would say, she was in an insignificant position. Maybe even they would have said she had an insignificant lineage. She wasn't of the tribe of Judah. She wasn't of the tribe of Levi, but yet God saw fit to put down in his word of which tribe she came from. And you know what that lets us know this morning? She's connected with the people of God. Anna was part of a family of God. She was just as important as those out of the tribe of Levi. She was just as important as those out of the tribe of, of Judah or si- Simon, the other ones, all those that are mentioned. She was just as important as any of those other 11 tribes. The Bible lets us know she was tied in to the family of God. And I want to say to you this morning, every one of, of, of God's people, not only in the Bible, but in the church, are significant. God has a work. God has a purpose. God has a plan. She was unified and part of the family of God. Notice thirdly this morning, we see her position of being unique. We see her position here of being unified, part of the family of God. But then notice this. She, she had a position of having unbelief understanding. Notice what the Bible goes to tell us in verse number 36. Said a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age. The Bible lets us know this morning, this is not a derogatory remark, but the Bible lets us know this morning this lady was an older lady. This lady had lived some years. This lady knew some things because many years she had walked with God. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. I thank God for every older preacher that's ever come in my path. I thank God for some right now that I can get on the phone and call some men of God that have pastored 40, 50, some even 60 years And I can glean from them, and I can talk to them, and they can give me some insight on things that I don't know about. But can I say this to you this morning? I thank God for every one of those senior ladies that have walked with God. I thank God for everyone that maybe is not in the spotlight or in the limelight, and maybe nobody knows their name, just some old godly saints of God, both men and women, that have walked with God, have spent their life serving God. And I'm going to tell you something, if you ever can get around some people like that, I'm going tell you the best thing to do is close your mouth open your ears and listen to what they got to say because if they've walked with God that long and they've not made a mess out of their life in that many years they've got something to teach us amen They've got something to tell us. And that's this lady Anna. That's the kind of lady she was. The Bible said she had some understanding. She was a great age. She had been faithful to the things of God. She had been walking with the Lord. And the longer we walk with the Lord, the more we're going to know about Him. The longer we stay close to Him, the more of Him we're going to understand. But now notice something else. Not only was she unique in her position of work, not only was... Was she unified? Not only did she have understanding, the Bible said she was of great age, but also I'm glad to report to you this morning that we find out she was usable. Notice what the Bible said. The Bible gives us a little history about this woman, Anna. said she had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. Now the next verse, and we'll get into it in a minute, lets us know that she's a widow. And if you put this together and look at it, you'll see it. that The Bible said she got married. No doubt she probably got married at a young age, as they did in Bible days, probably uh, the mid-teen years. She got married. We don't know exactly what age. The Bible's not specific. But she got married, and then just for a short period of time, the Bible lets us know she was a, a virgin to begin with. She marries her husband, and then he dies. And as we go on through our text, we'll find out that she stayed right with God there's no mention in these verses that she messed up her life now I'm glad God restores and I'm glad God heals and I'm glad if we've messed up we can come to the Lord and and he can he can restore that that the canker worm hath eat I'm glad of that I'm thankful for every testimony of that but I want to spotlight Anna just for a moment this morning thank God she kept her life usable Thank God she didn't throw her life away. I'm glad we don't read about well, she served God for a while and then she quit on God. Well, she stayed true for a while and then she made a mess out of it. No, everything the Bible says about her was exactly what somebody should have done. First of all, the Bible lets us know before she got married she was a virgin, and can I say that's still right amen that's still that's still honorable. it's still true. God still wants you to walk down uh, that aisle that marriage to that marriage altar, clean and pure and untouched by the filth of this world that's the kind of woman that Anna was and then when she got married I no doubt, the Bible doesn't tell us explicitly, but no doubt by the character of this woman that we know, she was true to her husband those seven years she was married to him, you know what that lets me know about her, she was usable you know this morning if we want to be a blessing to our Lord, if we want to be an encouragement to our Savior if we want to make a difference in this world let's stay usable, Let, let's take from the pattern of Anna's life and live clean and holy and just follow God's word again we don't know a lot of verses about Anna but from what I've studied about her and just chewed on in my heart and my mind I think about this was just a woman that loved God this was just a woman that believed his word this was just a lady that was satisfied serving the Lord walking with God being faithful doing what she could do for the cause of the Lord this woman was in the right position if you're saved this morning and you're walking with God and you're trying to keep your life clean, can I say to you, you're in the right position this morning. Don't change positions. Don't go somewhere else. Don't follow the ways of the world. Stay true to God. Stay holy to Him. Stay clean. Walk with God. Serve Him. And when you get Anna's age one of these days, if you live that long, you will be glad you did. If we could have interviewed Anna on this day when the baby Jesus was brought into the temple and said, Miss Anna, do you regret getting right with God? Do you regret serving the Lord? She'd say, oh, child, no. He's worthy, amen. He's worthy to serve. He's worthy to follow. He's worthy to believe. She trusted him, amen. I believe you can see that. Just three short verses. I thought about this. Let me give you this. I thought about if there were three verses pinned down about my life, could people... Determine that I was that faithful in three verses of my life. I don't know. I'm telling you. It's convicting to my heart this morning. Thank God she was in the right position. And I'm going to tell you, serving God's all about position. When you get saved, you get put in the family of God. That's the right position. And then after you get saved, if you'll stay true to God, and He'll keep you in the right position as far as your walk with Him, your your salvation position doesn't change. But we can mess up our walk position. But if you'll keep that walk position right, God will use you. That's what he did for Anna. How we see her position? Let's move on this morning. Secondly, in verse 37, I find her passion. Immediately, the Bible lets us know enough about Anna that we know what she's all about. She's not about her. She's not about doing what she wants. She's not about her own life and living life to the fullest, as the world would say. She is about the things of God. Let's notice some things about her passion this morning. I want you to notice a moment of her hardship. Look in verse 37. The Bible lets us know this. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. Now that's 84 years. So according to the scripture, she's a widow now for 84 years. She's a widow a lot longer than she was married. Bible said she was married seven years and then a widow of 84 years. You know what that lets me know this morning? That lets me know that Anna had some hardships in her life. Anna had some tragedy in her life. Anna had a problem, or a multitude of problems, we might say, that comes with the situation she was in. Not only did she lose a husband at a young age, that's got to be traumatic that's got to be hard to go through. My heart goes out to ladies that lose a husband at a young age. I want you to understand in Bible days it's not like it is today. In Bible days she just couldn't run down to the social services office and get some help. In Bible days to become a widow at a young age was a very dangerous thing. It made her vulnerable. It put her in a position that she had nobody to care for her. She would have normally, most women in this situation would have gotten remarried. She was free to do that. Most women in this situation would have said, I've had a a bad hand in life. Uh, Life has dealt me a bad hand. Life has been hard on me. And most women in this situation would have focused on themselves. And I I wouldn't blame them. I would understand that. I couldn't imagine going through that. But that's not what Anna did. You know what I'm saying this morning? She didn't let her hardships keep her from serving the Lord. Maybe somebody might have have been around and said, Poor old Anna, she lost her husband. We don't know how he died. We just know that they were together seven years and then he died. Somebody might have said, Poor old Anna, She's, she's lost lost her husband. What's she going to do? Somebody else might have said, well, you know, Anna, without that husband, she's probably not going to be able to do much. She's probably not going to be able to amount to anything. But oh no, that was the contrary of this dear lady. She stayed close to God. Even in the hardships of her life, she did not fail to serve God. Now I realize this morning there's some of you have had some hardships. There's some of you have been through some hard times, and some bad things. But can I tell you this morning, our hardships are not an excuse for us not to serve God. Our tragedies are not an escape route. Uh, we ought to build on them as Anna did and get even closer to the Lord and draw nigh to God. God is, is getting ready to use this dear lady in the, in the working of the birth of Christ and the acknowledgement of the birth of Christ. And she had hardship in her life. Matter of fact, if you go back through the Bible and you study most of your Bible characters, especially those Old Testament characters, most every one of them had hardship in their life. And can I say to you this morning? I believe this wholeheartedly. God uses people that have had hardships. God works through lives of people that know they need God, and they know they don't have it all together, and they know that without Him they would fall. And Anna, no doubt, when her husband died at a young age, she began to lean on God in her hardships. She began, no doubt, to lean on God's word. No doubt, she began to lean on God's people. She didn't run away from. God. God's people, or we wouldn't be reading about her in the Scripture. She didn't get away from God's Word and get mad at God, or we wouldn't be reading about her in the Scripture. When, when hardship came into this dear lady's life, she drew nigh unto God, and it's very evident that God drew nigh unto her. Amen? So the hardship was there. That didn't stop her from her passion. You know, it's been said before, you can judge the strength or the character of an individual individual by what it takes to stop them. Boy, that's something to think about this one. What, what's it going to take to stop you from serving God? What's it going to take to stop me from serving God? I'm amazed sometimes at the minute things that cause people to quit serving God. Well, preacher didn't shake my hand. You know, so-and-so didn't look at me right. At this, that, and the other, I'm telling you, what would it take to stop you from serving God? This lady's life was turned upside down. This lady, when her husband died, within herself, probably didn't know where her next meal was going to come from, but she trusted God and she went on. And in the latter days of her life, God is using this lady in the, in the workings of the birth of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of Bible characters that God did great things with. I think about Moses. I think about how he led those million and a half to two million complaining Jews out of of Egypt. I can't imagine what he went through. God used Noah when he built the ark and spared his family. God used King David, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, king that ever sat on the throne in Israel. Matter of fact, God gave a, a covenant with David in that. Davidic covenant is what he's going to fulfill in the millennial days. And many, many Many times through the scripture you see mighty things that characters have done. But when we get to heaven one of these days, Anna's going to be able to say, by the grace of God, and by the way, that's how it all happens, she's going to be able to say, by the grace of God, God allowed me to be instrumental when Christ was born into this world. That's a high honor this morning, amen? That's a great thing. I'm telling you, if you just serve God this morning, even through your hardships, no telling what God will do with you. Now notice this, we find her, her passion was not changed in her hardship. But let's look at her home just for a minute. Now, the Bible doesn't give us all the specifics about her home, but I think if we understand the Scripture, you'll get a hold of it here. Look at verse 37. It said she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. Notice the next phrase. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. All right, we just believe the Bible for what it says, right? So what did the Bible say? Bible said that Anna departed not from the temple. You know what the Bible tells us here? The Bible tells us that when Anna's husband died, and she was at a crossroads in her life. She was a widow, no doubt at a young age. No doubt she could have remarried. That would have been lawful. She could have got another husband. She could have had another home. But she decided not to remarry. She, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, was teaching of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, I wish that all men were like me that's not saying marriage is wrong because the Bible said it's it's honorable it's good but every now and then, God will handpick somebody. Every every very, very seldomly, God will handpick somebody to go through this life without being married to a spouse to devote their life to the cause of the Lord. And that's what happened with Anna. She made a decision. When her husband died, she could have remarried. But she didn't. And she said, I'm going to devote my life to the Lord. And by doing that, her home became the house of God. Her home became that temple. I'm not going to Read it for sake of time, but you can turn sometime over to First Timothy chapter five, and you'll find there that the apostle Paul lays out how to deal with widows in that day. There are two kinds of widows mentioned in the New Testament church. There is the widow in general, and that is a lady whose husband has passed away, but yet she may have family, she may have children, she may have uh, uh, relatives around, and Paul encourages them there in that scripture, First Timothy five, to take care of those widows. And that's the way you ought to do that. I think that's right. If there's a widow in a family, that family ought to take care of them. They ought to rally together. They ought to meet the needs. But then the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 5, there is such thing as a widow indeed. And that is a widow that has no family. That is a widow that has no no children. So Paul instructs the church there at Ephesus under the leadership of Timothy to take those widows in and take care of them and meet their needs. That's exactly what Anna was. She was a widow indeed. So she had the right to be taken care of by hanging around the house of God. No doubt she was fed from God's people. No doubt she was housed. If you study in this day around this time of the temple, you'll find there were many houses that were around the temple area of people, the priest and those that worked and labored in the temple. So here she is now. She's made her home around the things of God. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Oh, I could preach an hour and a half on making your home around the things of God. I'm telling you, that's one of the most important things that you can do this morning is letting your home revolve around the things of God. Every day she saw God's people. Every day she was taken care of by God's people. And by the way, every day she was taking care of God's people. One of the responsibilities of the widow indeed was that she was taken care of by God's people, but in return she would minister back to the church and God's people. And I believe that's exactly, even though this is Old Testament economy, I believe that's exactly what Anna did according to the Scripture. It it is a give-and-take relationship that God designed. She didn't have anywhere to go. She didn't marry another man. She couldn't sustain a household on her own. So she comes to the temple. They're taking care of her. She's taking care of the things of God. And the Bible said she stayed there. She departed not. Notice verse 37 She departed not from the temple. Anna didn't get mad one day and quit the temple. Amen. Anna didn't go try to... Hey, I'm going to tell you something. It cut down a lot of it in this day. There wasn't another temple they could go to. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. She didn't go to the other temple five miles down the road. You heard about that guy they found on that stranded island that time, didn't you? Did you hear about it? Only one man. He was stranded on an, island, uh, an inhabited island. Sorry, an inhabited island. He was by himself. And they found him there, and they picked him up, and they looked on the shore and saw three huts there. He said, sir, we don't understand. You tell us you're the only man here. Why is there three huts there? He said, well, that one on the left's my house. And that one on the in the middle there is my church where I worship. And they said, well, what's that one on the right? He said, that's where I used to go to church, amen? You get that after a while. Sad, isn't it? That's, that's the day we're living in. Anna didn't do that. She stayed with the things of God. I'm sure there were days that Anna got discouraged. I'm sure there were hours that Anna saw those other young ladies come by that had husbands and had children. And and I'm not preaching against that this morning, okay? The Bible is very plain. 99.9% of people in this world, it is God's will for you to get married and have children, or, or at least get married and be together and have children if you can. But for that Few percentiles sometimes God will handpick them and use them like he did Anna, like he did the apostle Paul. So you find here that she's hanging around the house of God. Her life is centered on the house of God. Everything that goes on at the temple she's involved in to some degree as she can. Everything that's happening there, it's, it's influencing her. And by the way, she's influencing the people that are at the house of God. It is is that give and take relationship that is a picture of the relationship with the church. Notice this. We find her passion in the hardship and how she handled it, her passion of her home where she lived, but then we see her heart this morning. Look at the last phrase of verse 37. It said, she departed not from the temple, but served God. Boy, wouldn't this be a good epitaph on any Christian's tombstone. Said that she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. You know what that lets me know this morning? That lets me know the heart of Anna. Anna's heart was to serve God. She didn't just hang out at the temple because she's supposed to. She didn't just hang out at the temple because it was the easiest thing to do. But the Bible said she served God with prayer and with fasting. Prayers and fastings. Notice what the, how the Bible words are here. Both of these terms are plural. With fastings and prayers, that means she just didn't do it one time. She didn't just do it two times. The Bible said day and night, day and night. She prayed, she fasted. And that don't mean she fasted every single day because she had to eat, but there were times when Anna fasted. There were times, no doubt, when a family came in And Anna knew and picked up maybe on what was going on in their life. And she began to skip a meal to pray for them. There were days when her prayers, no doubt, were always about others instead of about herself. I'm telling you, this lady was a devoted lady. If you were going to have a New Testament church member, this is the kind of church member you'd want, amen? This is the kind of lady you'd be blessed to have in your church. She had an allegiance. She had a devotion to God. Her heart was wrapped up in the things of God, not about herself. Well, we live in a society, we see it so much... We see it so much in this time of year, how selfish people get around Christmas time. Man, they'll run you over to get to a deal. They'll knock you. Listen, I do not. I I know some of you, you get to go to those Black Friday sales. You get some great deals. Let me tell you something. The deal I would get is not worth the time I'd spend in jail. I can't do it. I don't have the temperament for it. They'd lock me up when somebody knocked me down to get some $2 something. I'm sorry, I'm flesh. I don't think I could handle it. I stay out of those places because... Because I know me, it's better for me to pay double than to get into that, amen? But I'm telling you, this lady, Anna, her heart was after the things of God. She wasn't wrapped up in the world. She wasn't wrapped up in what she could have. She wasn't wrapped up in all the pleasures around her. Her focus, her heart, her desire was on the things of God. And I believe that's the very reason why God picked her and put her in the situation of the birth of Christ because she was so dedicated to the Lord. Now, let me give you the third and final thing here, and I think this will be a help to you. You find her position... Here in the text, she was a woman that was at the temple. God was using her. She was very unique in her her position here. We find her passion, how the hardships didn't drive her away from the house of God. How that she had a desire. She loved being at the temple. That was her very life, her very existence. But I want you to notice the power of Anna this morning. The power of Anna in the last verse in verse 38. Now, if I were to tell you this morning, do you think Moses had power? You'd say, oh yeah, he had power. I mean, he stepped out and he took the staff of God in his head and the Red Sea parted. I would say, do you you think King David had power? Sure, David had power. My, as a young man, he waded down into that valley of Elah. He took that smooth stone out of his pouch. He put it in a sling, and he killed that great champion, the Philistines, Goliath. What a mighty man that David was. Can I say to you this morning, Anna had power with God? You may not be a David. You may not be a Moses. But God still wants to use you. God still wants to empower you to do something for his glory and honor. Let's look at verse 38. We'll see her power here. Notice, first of all, she was present. This is really important here. Look at this. The Bible said, now, remember this is in conjunction with Simeon coming in. We studied that last week. And Simeon comes in and takes up Christ. First of all, <coughs> Mary and Joseph come into the temple. And they're coming to finish up the days of her purification and to bring the sacrifices that the law had said of the two turtle doves, she comes into that temple. Simeon comes in and cries out, that "Here he is, a light to lighten the Gentiles," and he worships the Lord. But all this is happening at the same time. Look at look at verse thirty-eight. And she, speaking of Anna, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord. The Bible said instantaneously. As Mary and Joseph come in with baby Jesus, as Simeon holds up baby Jesus and worships the Lord, instantly the Bible said Anna is there. Isn't that something this morning? Think about that. Think about this, her power this morning. I want you to think about she was present when Christ came to the temple for the first time. She was present. God had so positioned this dear lady to be in the right place at the right time. God had so smiled on this lady Anna who probably the world said was useless, probably even some in the temple, if the truth would be known, some in the temple probably came through day after day Say, so what, what's that woman doing here? I mean, don't she know how old she is? <laughs> she can't do nothing. I mean, she barely walk. I mean, she's just shuffling her feet around here. What's she doing here? That's the way some people think, amen. See, God had a plan for it. God had her present. God had her in a position where when Christ came in the temple for the very first time, she was going to interact with the first coming of Christ. I'm telling you what an honor this morning. If you'll just serve God, God will have you. She, guess what? She was present when Jesus showed up. And if you'll just serve God and be faithful, you'll be around when he shows up, amen? You'll be around when he comes. And when he comes back the second time, if we'll just stay with God, it'll be a wonderful time when he takes us home to be with him. She was present when the Lord showed up. Notice this. Not only was she present, but I want you to think about this. Well, this dawned on me yesterday. I was thinking about this, and I thought about the Old Testament law. One of the Old Testament commandments or, or, or uh, ordinances, you might call it, was nothing was proven without two or three witnesses. If you study the Bible, you'll find out in the Old Testament, positive or negative, there had to be two or three witnesses. A man could not be stoned or killed uh, lest there be at least two witnesses to the wrongdoing he had done. And many times through the Scripture, God would bring in two witnesses. And that even carries in the New Testament economy not to receive an accusation against the elder lest it be two or three witnesses. God always establishes His truths in the presence of witnesses. Now, I got thinking about that. There were only two people that are named here in the temple on the day outside of Mary and Joseph. There were only two people that were named when Christ was brought into the temple for the first time one was Simeon, and one was Anna. I believe she was part of that truth of the Old Testament that made a statement. It it don't mean anything to you and I because we don't live in the Jewish economy. We don't understand that. But it means a whole lot to those Jews when there was two people crying out, this is him. When there was two people saying glory to God... This is the one the prophets were talking about. This is the one that's supposed to come. This is the Savior of the world. When there was two of them crying out, people said, Whoa, it must be real because God put it in the mouth of two witnesses. Matter of fact, in the Revelation, there's going to be two witnesses there that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. God does everything right. And Anna was instrumental in putting the stamp of approval on the fact that this was Christ that had come into the temple. Now, you find me a greater privilege or a greater job than that, amen? As the old-timer said, I'll eat your hat, amen? I'm telling you, she may not have been the greatest thing in the world as far as the world was concerned, but God saw her as a devoted lady trusting him, and he said, I'm going to let you be one of the witnesses in the temple that says, this is my son, amen? That's a high honor this morning. Let me give you this, and I'm done. Thank God she was pointing. Look at the last part of verse 38. Bible said this, and spake of Him, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Well I was thinking about this, what's she doing? She's pointing to Jesus. See, if you study the temple, especially in the day of Herod's temple, you'll find out there were four courts leading up into that temple. First of all, you had the court of the Gentiles. Anybody could come through there. That's, that's where people would come through, and that's no doubt where the money changers were at when Jesus drove them out. Sometimes they'd bring livestock through there for <clears throat> bringing them into the worship and all that. So you had the court of the Gentiles. Then the second court you had was the court of the women. This is where Anna was at. This is where Mary brought Jesus. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in. Now, it was called the court of the women. There were men and women that could come into that court. But it's called the court of the women because that is far as the women could go in that day. Then in the third court you had the court of the Israelites which is where the men could go and then the fourth court was the court of the priest which surrounded the holy place and the holy of holies where the brass labor was and all those things of worship. So here she was in the temple. You, you remember when they brought that woman with adultery in? Jesus was teaching in the temple. They brought her in to be stoned. That's where I believe that was at. I believe it was that court of the women. That's as far as she could come in. So so here's Anna. She's in the temple. And when this happens and all this goes on, she's pointing others to Jesus. She's running around in that court of the temple and probably, I don't know for sure, ran out in that court of the Gentiles and said, this is the one. She probably didn't run of her age. She might have she skipped a little bit. But she got out there and said, this is the one. This is the one. This is the one Isaiah was speaking about. This is the one the other prophets were speaking about. Everything she said was about magnifying him. Well, I thank God this morning for simple characters in the Bible just like Anna. I wish my life, I hope and pray my life, can have the same devotion, the same allegiance, and I could have the same testimony of this dear lady, Anna. She was devoted to the Lord. I thought about this, and I'm done this morning. I thought about during Christmas time, you know, we always focus on Christ, and we should, being the present to the world. God wrapped up in flesh, and we should. We think about presents that we give to our family and our friends, our loved ones. Have you ever thought about this morning ourselves being a present? I think about what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 where he said, I I beseech you therefore, brethren. He said, I beg you. He said, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. You know what? That's what God wants this morning. I think that's what Anna did. It was a day in Anna's life. She said, I'm just going to give myself to God. I'm just going to give myself to the Lord and see what God could do with my life. And I think we've seen from the Scripture this morning what God did with the life of Anna. God took an, a, a, a woman that no doubt people would have said was insignificant. She came from a tribe that was insignificant. And God put her right in the place where his dear son Jesus was presented in the temple, bestowed a great honor on this lady because she was devoted, she had an allegiance unto God. I want to encourage you with this this morning. If you're saved this morning, I hope this will encourage you to be faithful to God all the days of your life. I hope this will encourage you to be devoted to the Lord and never get away from Him and never never look to the world, just stay close to Him. And if you're not saved this morning, I pray that maybe this would just spark in your heart a desire to get saved, a desire to walk with God, a desire to know God, that God would take this seemingly insignificant lady from an insignificant tribe and put her in an intersection to see Christ come and use her in the establishment of the birth of Christ in this day. What a blessing, amen. God will help us this morning if we'll trust him. You have the message. Let's stand, sister. If you'd come on the piano this morning, heads bow just a moment.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message once again in its entirety, for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, you can visit The Preaching Channel at wgcrpreaching.net. If you don't have download capabilities, feel free to call and order a CD copy of today's message at 828-884-9427.